The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 10th chapter. Jesus said to the twelve, Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to, the one, to one of those little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you all from God our Creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I have been thinking a lot about hospitality this week after spending time with our gospel reading where Jesus says to his disciples, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whether fancy or simple, hospitality is always about caring for and welcoming the other. And as we heard, it is closely related to welcoming Christ himself. It's also about being that one who is cared for and who is welcomed. I want to tell some stories about hospitality that are dear to me today. And so we're going to travel a bit from my childhood best friend's farmhouse to Summit Avenue in St. Paul, to France, and then to Israel, and then back to our church today. First, I thought about Lynn and her family. We have been close friends since we were six years old, growing up on neighboring farms. We shared church and school and clothes and pretty much everything else, and we're still great friends. She's an artist, and some of you have seen her artwork in my office. I'm so grateful to her family, because when I was a girl, Lynn's house was like my second home. Things were sometimes pretty rocky at my house, but hers was reliably peaceful and safe, and I was welcomed like child number five in their family. They had a beautiful sense of shared work and purpose, uh, running their large farm, and I often helped Lynn pick eggs, which, although aromatic, was fun and good for earning us a little spending money for Friday night. Meals with them had good food, of course, and conversation and kind attention. Their hospitality was caring and relaxed and no fuss at all, and it blessed my life. I hope you have a Lynn in your life or maybe you are one to others. I'm also thinking of a good friend from college whose name is Bob. Uh, we met at St. Ben's and St. John's, which, is, which are founded by a religious order, the Benedictines, who place a high value on hospitality. The rule of Benedict teaches that all guests are to be received as Christ. And Bob is a living example of this. For a time after graduation, Bob lived in one big room 
in a mansion on Summit Avenue in St. Paul. Bob loved to cook, but had no kitchen. So, with a toaster oven and a hot plate, he made his friends wonderful meals. And we began those meals with a toast to God, and then the conversation was wide-ranging, and it always included Bob asking lots of questions of all of us, eager to be caught up on our lives. Bob's hospitality was and still is warm and wonderful. In Bob's house, a big one or a small one, a kitchen or a hot plate, you are an honored guest. I hope you have a Bob in your life, or maybe you are one to others. On a different scale, I'm thinking of the radical hospitality of Le Chambon, a courageous village in the mountains of France. I had learned about it from a film called Weapons of the Spirit and was committed to going there someday to pay tribute to their bravery and their faith. I got there in 2006, uh, thanks to you all giving me a study leave. You may know that during World War II, Le Chambon's Christian townspeople, Protestants who in their own history had been persecuted for their faith, became a haven for Jews uh, fleeing from the Nazis. They did this because of their faith. They decided that it was the right thing for them to do. So they assimilated Jewish families, hid them in their homes and farms, gave them French names, forged IDs, sent the kids to school with their own kids, sometimes hiding in plain sight, sometimes hiding them in the mountains. A woman giving me a tour said that the local police would sometimes hear that a Nazi patrol would be coming through. And so what they would do would, these local police would go to a cafe in Le Chambon and very publicly and loudly talk about when and where those searches were going to happen. So everyone knew and the townspeople had a chance to move the refugees to safety. They used peaceful resistance there in Le Chambon and my tour guide said that it would not, of course, have worked everywhere, but somehow it worked in Le Chambon. One of, one of the local leaders offering shelter was arrested and died in a concentration camp. However, none of those to whom they offered shelter, over a thousand people, none of them were lost. They all survived. So hospitality sometimes literally saves lives and requires faith and courage and is costly. Of course, here in this building, we must remember that we are founded on hospitality since we are named after St. Philip, who was a deacon in the early church. We read all about him in the book of Acts, and we can see scenes of his life depicted in the um, icons in those three panels uh, to your right as you're exiting the sanctuary. And I do invite you to stop and spend a little time with those after the service. The first time we meet Philip, we learn that a group of widows in the Jerusalem church was being neglected from the daily food distribution, an example of very bad hospitality. These widows were Greek-speaking, so not exactly locals, and it was a blight on the church that they were not being treated fairly. 
So the apostles selected seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and wisdom, to correct the situation. Our Philip was one of those seven. So from the beginning, he was involved with the kind of hospitality that ensures that all, especially those a bit outside the fold, are being cared for and tended to. And then when Christians fled Jerusalem because of persecution, such as the stoning of Stephen, who was also one of those seven deacons, Philip went to Samaria, where he reached outside the fold once again, preaching the gospel to Samaritans, a group who had split off from the Jewish people about six centuries before, had intermarried with other peoples, and were considered to be outsiders by most Jews. They received Philip and his message about Jesus with eagerness. And we can see the Samaritans being blessed in the way that Jesus described, that the one who welcomes you welcomes me and the one who sent me. After this, Philip was sent by God to walk along the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, where he met an official of the royal court of the queen of Ethiopia. The man had been worshiping in Jerusalem. He was on a chariot, which you can see in our stained glass up here, the one with the circle, that's Philip's chariot, or the, the uh, Ethiopian's chariot. And he was reading from Isaiah 53, which says, he was wounded for our transgressions. And the man didn't understand it. Philip was there and he asked Philip what it meant. And Philip explained to him that it was about Jesus and about his saving work on the cross. The Ethiopian welcomed Philip's words and welcomed our Lord and was baptized and went on his way rejoicing. Philip was hospitable to him in offering his treasure of Christ and the Ethiopian was hospitable in welcoming Philip and his message. So our Phil did it again. So first, our Philip extended sacred hospitality, both in terms of loving care and the gospel itself, to Greek widows, and then to Samaritans, and then to an Ethiopian. And later in Acts, we catch up with him one more time. He's living in Caesarea, a major seaport in Israel. When the Apostle Paul went to Jerusalem for the last time, he stopped in Caesarea. And Acts tells us that Philip and his four daughters offered him hospitality in their home for several days. A believer in Jesus, offering welcome to another believer, and therefore welcoming Christ himself. They must have had so much to talk about. Our namesake is all about hospitality, and we have a sacred legacy in his story. So I've been reminded of some lessons about hospitality this week from Lynn's family, that hospitality can be relaxed and welcoming, inviting you, you in like a family member. From Bob's way, it's about treating you as an honored guest and taking interest in your life. From Le Chambon, that hospitality might cost something. It might not be easy. It might take courage and faith. And from Philip's example, that it's about being open to the leading and the nudging of the Spirit, open to believers and unbelievers alike, being willing and ready to share both care 
and the gospel. Here at Phillips Church, we share sacred hospitality in so many ways. I could go on for hours about this, but I want to mention briefly just four of those ways that you show hospitality. I think of families moving forward, where we welcome families who are experiencing homelessness. We offer them good food and a safe place and our prayers, like Lynn's family and like Bob, offering no fuss, just welcome and care. And you know, there is a mutual vulnerability there as we welcome people we don't know in the name of Christ, and also for our guests as they accept our welcome as people they don't know. And in some ways, we're just alike, and in other ways, we're worlds apart. And I think that every time we learn something from each other. Or we might think of something as simple as sharing the peace during our worship, which we will do in a few minutes today, as another kind of sacred hospitality, knowing that we are sharing it not only with the people around us, but also with Christ through them. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me, he said. And I'm moved by how many of you warmly welcome others to your groups at church and to your homes for meals and celebrations and to support good causes. We have many, many warm and caring hosts in our church community. God bless all of you. And finally, I'm so proud of one of our members. She's now living in another state. But for years, she had the practice of walking into the sanctuary on a Sunday morning and looking specifically for someone she did not know to sit by. And she would ask if she could join that person and introduce herself, and they would worship together. And of course, she would remember that person in future weeks and introduce them to others. And you can see how that widening uh, circle of hospitality would happen. Isn't that beautiful? It means a lot to be welcomed within the church, whether you are new or have been part of it for years. My friends, when we welcome one another, whether friend or stranger, we participate in something so holy, the hospitality of our good and beautiful Lord, who welcomes us into the family with the baptismal bath, who feeds us at his table from his own life, who searches for us and welcomes us back home when we wander off, and who goes to prepare a place for us so that we may live in his house forever. It is that welcome, it is Christ's welcome, that we are called and honored to share. In the name of Jesus, amen.